now with over 25 years of experience integrating mental health and spirituality, the author of Reclaiming Authenticity, When Ancestors Weep, and Redeeming the Bereaved. Here is Dr. James Houck. Well, good afternoon, everybody, uh, one and all, wherever you are in the world at this time. Welcome to Reclaiming Authenticity, helping you find your courage to reclaim that which has always been in you. Very happy to be with you here today and every Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, noon Pacific Standard Time, and any other time in between. I'm Dr. James Houck, and if you would like more information about me, or if you want to leave me your comments about today's show, I just invite you to visit the website. It's uh, www.bbsradio.com backslash reclaiming authenticity. That's www.bbsradio.com backslash reclaiming authenticity. And if uh, you're so inclined, you'd like to you know, call in, you're listening today, and uh, the topic intrigues you, I invite you to call in and join in on the conversation. That number is 888-627-6008. That's 888-627-6008. And I'll be taking your calls after the break. Now, these uh, broadcasts, just want to say up front that these broadcasts are now podcast, in case you want to go back and listen again, or you can even go back into the archives and listen to previous shows. And they are now uh, available for download on Audible and Amazon Music, and you can even listen uh, to this uh, uh, broadcast on Station One and iHeartRadio. Well, for those who are tuning in for the first time, thank you for tuning in. I, I hope you enjoy what you hear today. And uh, like I said, drop me a line and leave me your comments. And uh, welcome to the show. And I uh, just want to share with people tuning in for the first time that uh, each and every week these broadcasts are dedicated to the integration of our spirituality and our mental health. Well, uh, from the onset uh, of today's show, I just want to say that uh, it is very interesting uh, that uh, the call to live a more authentic life is certainly becoming increasingly poignant these days. And it seems that everywhere we turn, um, ideas or topics such as genuineness and authenticity are becoming more and more rare of these characteristics among people who are searching for, say, substance in their relationships. They want something more out of their relationships. They're, you know, they're tired of being hurt. They're tired of struggling. They're tired of, you know, inauthent you know, inauthentic relationships in general. So they're looking for something, you know, that, that has more substance in and of itself in their relationships. Uh, but nowadays, you know, but nowadays, I should say that society is rapidly conditioning generations, one after another, to start to question the motives and desires of others like never before. And by this, I mean that uh, personal image is at an all-time fever pitch as one reality show after another presents us with anything but reality. 
And if you've ever had the pleasure to watch these so-called reality shows, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, they've just been countless, one after another. They seem to follow the same format. Uh, because daily, we're being sold the message that to be the most socially acceptable you know, person, you, know, you have to throw a lot of money at it. You know, so it, in, in fact, it seems as though the more drama and the more tears, the better the front page story. You know, so reality shows often, you know, want to promote, well, who can outshock who or who can accumulate more toys and points than anybody else? And who has more guile or more trickery? Who's more cutting, either by uh, hook or by crook? And we have uh, nowadays, and probably since the beginning of time, uh, cutthroat politics and religious scandals have uh, saturated uh, the daily news as bewildered people in coffee shops and bars and everywhere else kind of look at each other wondering just how much worse can it get? Well, unfortunately, instead of taking people at face value, it's again, we're now becoming accustomed to ask, all right, what's the catch? What else is what else is going on here? What are you not telling me? You know, and perhaps as a result of a number of humiliating and painful experiences, say, of the physical, emotional, or spiritual parts of themselves in relationships. And furthermore, out of our brokenness, we may feel that we just cannot risk being a victim to yet another example of, let's say, fraud, trickery, and or dishonesty, and past physical, psychological, and spiritual wounding has really taken too much out of us, leaving us to believe that others simply conspire to take advantage of our vulnerability. You know, it's something that uh, when somebody sees that, they, it's going to be exploited. And yet, I see this as a dilemma that we face, that to strive for genuineness and authenticity in our relationships certainly demands a level of vulnerability from us. And therefore, I place this integration in relationships, this integration of mental health and spirituality, because when you think about it, we often receive our deepest physical, emotional, psychological, and even spiritual wounds in and through relationships. And here's the irony. We can also discover our greatest healing, our greatest strength, peace, forgiveness, and love through healthier relationships. And these relationships just might be within our own families. They might be with our coworkers and friends. Because whenever we experience transformation on some level in our lives, we also transform others by our presence, by our grace, by our understanding. But first, you know, forgiveness, kindness, compassion begin with how we treat ourselves. Because whenever we are compassionate with ourselves, we then can become more compassionate with others. And when we are more forgiving with ourselves, we then can be more forgiving with others. And when we are able to live in gratitude with ourselves, we then discover how this opens up our hearts to see and live in gratitude with others. So transformation actually begins with us, but it extends out to others. So 
I guess, you know, in other words, I would say that before we can expect and appreciate authenticity from another person, we are compelled to look at ourselves first, you know, to confront our own inconsistent and inauthentic ways. Author and family psychotherapist Virginia Satir uh, actually sums this up, this, this exact sentiment up nicely. She says, I want to love you without clutching, appreciate you without judging, join you without invading, invite you without demanding, leave you without guilt, criticize you without blaming, and help you without insulting. And if I can have the same from you, then we can truly meet each other. Now, as idealistic as this kind of human interaction sounds, genuineness and authenticity in relationships are tangible. But it does indeed require a lifelong commitment to self-discovery and honesty about who we are. Yeah, with all of our warts and gifts and phobias and strengths and graces and everything else. But unfortunately, you know, today this commitment to that, you know, depth in relationships is a price many people consider just simply too high to pay and just not worth their time. I mean, wouldn't it be easier just to uh, go with the status quo, go with the flow and not to question I mean, of course, you know, that might be the frequently traveled road, but let us not deceive ourselves. You know, that that inner desire for this genuineness and authenticity in relationships with ourselves and others and God is certainly not going to go away. And moreover, that internal logging to be uh, authentic and truer to ourselves will only become louder and more intense. The question is, how much more sleep do we want to keep losing night after night? How many more times are we going to struggle with this? How many more times are we going to wish that, well, I want the authenticity, but it has to come from somebody else first? I mean, how many more times are we going to blame others for what we don't have? In his book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, it was Henry Nowen who uh, wrote that people discover that there is a tremendous strength in healthy relationships. There are people who heal each other's wounds, forgive each other's offenses, share their possessions, foster the spirit of community, celebrate the gifts they have received, and live in constant anticipation of the full manifestation of God's presence in their lives. So how do we do this? I mean, it sounds so easy, so simple, but why is it such a struggle for many, many people? How do we do this? I mean, how do we engage in an inner spiritual transformation that's ongoing and more aligned with our authenticity? Well, let's think about it in terms of energy. Now, you've, you know, if you're a follower of this program, you, you've heard me talk about this before, uh, one of my favorite topics, um, you know, just energy. And the basic definition of energy, as we've learned in our physics classes, is the capacity for doing work. 
Okay, that's just your basic garden variety definition, but let's flesh it out a little bit more. Okay, and energy can certainly exist as kinetic energy or thermal energy, electrical energy, chemical energy, nuclear energy, and other various forms. And energy is something that cannot be destroyed. It just simply cannot. It can only be transferred from one, let's say, body to another. Okay, you can always change it, but you cannot destroy it. So, for example, let's think about heat. Okay, heat that is transferred may become thermal energy, and then it could be used for mechanical engineering and so forth. But what is this shift that occurs in us moving from, let's say, carbon energy to crystalline or crystalline energy? I mean, it, it involves a releasing of the unneeded energies and replacing them with higher vibrations of love and light. And the crystalline energy is the energy of light and love. It is very powerful in that it has the potential to transform anything that is not aligned with love and with our higher vibrational selves. And as a society, we already know that cell memory occurs when we hold trauma in the body. It can change our cells. It can change our genes. And this is what epigenetics is all about. It's a study that pretty much came out of traumatic experiences of World War II and as well as other atrocities, whereby... Uh, trauma was stamped on a person's DNA, and it was passed along to future generations. And it was just lived out over and over and over again, even though, let's say, the third, fourth, fifth generation never experienced what the first generation went through. They had no idea of the horrors of, let's say, war or the horrors of famine, but yet it was something that was passed down to them through their genes, this epigenetics, where they acted as if, and they were kind of reliving it out, and they were having these traumatic experiences as if they had been there themselves. But, you know, when we shift into you know, a higher consciousness or a vibration, there's greater awareness, you know, that too creates a change in our DNA, and can break up trauma that has altered our genes, even in the slightest way. And the, the same is true with our mental health. I mean, when we speak of uh, short-term and long-term memories and intelligence, there are actually two ways of looking at them. You know, there's fluid intelligence, and then there's crystallized intelligence. Now, fluid intelligence involves being able to think and reason abstractly and to solve problems, okay? This is something that we learn how to do. We have the capacity for it, but we also learn how to incorporate it. And this ability is considered independent of learning or experience and education. Now, fluid intelligence, uh, interestingly enough, tends to decline during late adulthood. And certain cognitive skills associated with fluid intelligence tend to decline in people as they reach later adulthoods, especially when it comes to short-term memory. Okay, And if you've ever had a loved one or you've known of an elderly person who really struggled with memory loss, this is more akin to fluid 
intelligence. And yet crystallized energy, on the other hand, is really based on facts, and it's grounded in our experiences. Because as we age and we accumulate new knowledge and new understandings and we encompass everything and, you know, we just take all that about what we have learned and experienced and heard and tasted and emotions we have felt, um, these things also include our positive core memories and negative core memories. And, and all of these experiences are held in this crystallized intelligence, which unlike fluid intelligence, has been shown to become stronger and more resilient over time. But even within something so strong as our crystallized intelligence, there's also unhealthy patterns of behaviors and distorted perspectives that need to be dissolved and released. In other words, you're never too old to experience a radical shift in the vibrational awareness of your vast self. And we begin by becoming more aware that everything is connected to energy. Everything is energy. Our thoughts, our words, our behaviors, everything. Everything carries a, a vibration to it. Everything carries with it an energy. And, and this is why many ancient cultures certainly valued their elders because they carried the wisdom for the people. It's this crystallized intelligence. It's this energy that's behind it. And it was the wisdom for, you know, the, the generations. And they've spent the better part of their lives alongside the elders of their time, listening to their stories and, and learning from them and so forth. And some elders, men and women, have even been gifted with the ability to understand how ancient wisdom carries with it the knowledge and teachings for the people to continue living. Or if you want to, you know, make it simple, so that the people may live. And it's vital for us to value and integrate such ancient wisdom and experiences that enhance our understanding and transform our limited abilities to fully realize ourselves, let's say, as souls. And this is often seen through what we would call religion and spirituality. Well, uh, Mr. Louis Mel Madrona, uh, who has written extensively on um, Native American medicine, he writes that the purpose of religion should be to help us maintain a binding commitment to the spiritual awareness within the lives of our communities. And this is done often through the power of ritual, which is the materialization of religion, the bearer of religious tradition, the ensurer of continuity of the life of the present with the original spirit of the past. And the reenactment of traditional ritual in, let's say, worship by, you know, provided, you know, through religion ensures that the past in other words, our ancestors, those who have come before us, continues to touch our, our souls, our flesh, reaches in, into our hearts. And as we begin this process of uh, having a higher dimension relationship with God, we're going to be reminded of all the, the negative psychological, emotional, and spiritual patterns within our relationships 
those things that keep us stuck in the past. And these vibrational shifts certainly show themselves in relationships. You know, we become more loving. We find ourselves becoming more patient, more forgiving with ourselves and with others. And we even have the potential to increase our awareness of um, everything around us, everything that we experience. And awareness is the key to insight, the key to have that understanding. And when we often tend to the physical needs of others, even the most simplest ways, it always has a spiritual effect or an awakening on some level in them. You know, in other words, the soul is touched as well. And it is a, a daily surrendering or a saying yes to being led by our soul's desires that connect us with God and the universe. In other words, we let go of the former in order to take on something more life-giving by changing the energy of those things. We let go more easily because we are no longer controlled by fear, but compelled out of just everlasting love and grace. And certainly, this takes courage, because many times we want to hang on to the past, or we can't imagine something better in our lives, let alone discovering who we really are. Because again, this involves us letting go of the things that just no longer serve us. You know, those attitudes and those perceptions that uh, just really keep us wounded. And, and then we let go of those things, you know, we take on something better, you know, something more life-giving and more authentic to who we truly are. One of my uh, favorite teachings with uh, kids and teenagers that I counsel is this metaphor of the fire of transformation. And uh, often have them sit, you know, with themselves and, you know, the, the negative thoughts and the emotions and the things that come up to our awareness at times. And and I just have them imagine sending all that, all that energy or all that negativity into a fire that's right beside them in order for it to be transformed. And we, too, can you know, send those things into the fire that have weakened and diminished the mental or emotional, the physical and the spiritual body. And by sending it out, we also need to be reminded that it needs to be transformed. It needs to be changed. And in the past, there was a very common teaching that you know, whenever we would do this, we need to send that energy, that negative energy, into the earth to be more or less soaked up or soaked into Okay, but the earth can no longer absorb that negative energy. I mean, the earth is being choked by all the negativity that's being spewed by humanity. But instead, just as the fire transforms wood into ash and dust and gases, so it goes up into the universe only to come back in the form of rain and snow. And so as you're sitting there and negative energy comes up in your thoughts or perceptions or unforgiveness or whatever, it, however it manifests, ask for that negative energy to be transformed into the gifts that honor and sustain the mental, emotional, physical, even spiritual body, and to heighten our awareness and vibration 
of our vast selves. In other words, for us to truly see ourselves as we are, and for us to truly see others as they are. And in doing so over time, we discover that we no longer wish to find peace or grace or love, but rather we transform it into embodying peace, grace, and love. And talk about the vibration that we give off. It's this sense of beingness that generates a, a powerful positive energy field or even a vibrant aura. <clears throat> well, in one study from uh, the HeartMath Institute uh, that was entitled The Heart-Brain Synchronization Between Mother and Baby, I believe it was 2008 when that study came out, it actually studied this energetic heart-brain interaction that occurred between a mother and her infant. And interestingly, the researchers were able to show that the mother's brain waves synchronized to that of her baby's heartbeat. And it appears that when the mother placed her attention on the baby, that she became more sensitive to the very subtle electromagnetic signals generated by the infant's heart. And from these studies, there is strong evidence to suggest then that our social interactions also have the potential to not only affect family members, but all relationships. And furthermore, the implications can also be applied to our ancestors through our blood-soul connection, as it were. Because you see, the more we heal from past trauma and the more we heal from emotional pain or psychological suffering uh, and even our spiritual woundedness, the more we all give off of a transformative higher energy field stemming from our hearts. And it's interesting that others can sense this energy even before we speak it. You know, we no longer have to worry about what are we going to say in any given situation. We can just simply be. And we find ourselves being fully present with ourselves and others, as well as being, you know, beginning to experience God in just the most unlikely places and through the most unlikely people, which is actually where God has been found all along. So when one person rises, we all benefit. Well, I would really like to hear your heart on this subject. So if you would like to call in, that again, that number is 888-627-6008. And I'll be taking your calls after the break. Again, you are listening to Reclaiming Authenticity. And I'm your host, Dr. James Houck. I'll be back with you in one minute.
welcome back. I'm Dr. James Hawkins. You are listening to Reclaiming Authenticity. And before we get into the second half of the broadcast today, I just want to share with you just a little bit about next week's show, which uh, the title kind of sounds like an old joke. It goes like this. A shoe, a spoon, and a rope walk into a bar. Okay. That has nothing to do with, you know, going to a bar where they sit down and order a drink. But uh, interestingly, they all have something in common regarding how we perceive our limitations. So tune in uh, next Friday afternoon, March 4, 3 p.m., uh, for a shoe, a spoon, and a rope walk into a bar. Anyway, uh, earlier in the show, I was uh, talking about, you know, as we begin this process of shifting into higher or, you know, more energetic dimensional relationship with God, we're going to be reminded of all the, the negative psychological, emotional, and spiritual patterns that we have that keep us stuck in the past or want to pull us back into the past or say, hey, not so fast. Okay. And um, again, this is normal because, you know, we go through this process of, well, who else do I have to forgive? What else do I have to let go of? Where, where am I continually making the same mistakes over and over again? Where are my blind spots, so to speak, and that? And so, and and we certainly become more aware of this, you know, the closer we get to God, so to speak, you know, the more uh, we begin to function on just a higher, more energetic, dimensional relationship with God, okay? But let's also keep in mind that walking in this manner is also a daily surrender, or let's say a daily saying yes to being led by our soul's desires that connect us with God and the universe, okay? It's a daily surrender, okay? We let go of the former in order to take on something, you know, more life-giving by changing the energy of those things. You know, we, we let go more easily because we're no longer controlled by, let's say, fear, but now we're compelled out of everlasting love and grace, Okay, but letting go of the former things is indeed a process, and it involves uh, forgiveness. It in, it involves examining gratitude. It involves examining really the depth of our understanding of love, and and realizing that you know just what is it about unconditional love that we might struggle with. You know, where does it really make us uncomfortable? What do we like about it? What, uh, you know, really is challenging for us and so forth? Because <clears throat> many people I talk to and, and counsel, you know, are just so filled with brokenness, pain, and self-loathing. And um, this is something that's been increasing, uh, oh gosh, probably over, from what I've experienced, probably the last, uh, going on two years, you know, we've been dealing with the pandemic. Just a lot of heartbreak and pain and just, I really don't like myself. And many people are at a loss as to what they can do next, or let's say that they're struggling to find insight that's going to empower them 
to take those first steps towards unlocking their own psychological, emotional, physical, and spiritual freedom. But still, there are many people who, out of ignorance or fear, who would rather live in their grief and pain and sorrow. Uh, it just it sounds so strange, but again, it's you know just they they feel like they've just been gripped with this fear, and so again, um, they would rather just stay where they are, more or less, you know. Uh, but for many, they're just not ready to let go of those wounds, and um, you know, to them, even though it's painful, even though they're suffering in their relationships and so forth, it's comfortable in a way because it's predictable. You know, they don't like it, but again, they feel helpless to let go of those things and really work through and ask some tough, tough questions of themselves and others. So, again, I see that a lot of people are just not ready to let go of those wounds and, and really embrace the possibility that they can live in forgiveness and gratitude and ultimately love for themselves and for others. Uh, now, back in the day, and I, when I say back in the day, this is the 90s, I think it was, uh, late, late 90s, uh, came across a book, uh, and the title just really captured my attention, and uh, it was uh, Why People Don't Heal by Carolyn Mace, M-Y-S-S, Why People Don't Heal. And um, in that book, uh, she stated that we are not to remain wounded. We are supposed to move through, let's say, our tragedies and challenges and to help each other move through the many painful episodes in our lives. And furthermore, she says that when we remain stuck in the energy of those wounds, we block our own transformation. In fact, we, we tend to overlook the great gifts that are inherent, even in those wounds, that is, the strength to overcome them and the lessons that we are meant to receive. And they are indeed, or I should say intended, to teach us to be more compassionate and wise. And sometimes it's often what we go through have become our greatest teachers. Because you've heard me say this again on this program, that one of life's uh, greatest uh, experiences uh, of irony is how we often receive our deepest emotional, psychological, spiritual, even, even physical wounds as a result of being in relationships with one another. Now, whether the wounding was intentional or accidental, it's, it's what we do afterwards once we have been wounded, or perhaps after we realize we have wounded another person, that will either reinforce those wounds or eventually find a way to be healed and to be free from those burdens, which, you know, circles us back around to forgiveness and gratitude. And as we explore all of our painful memories, we often catch a glimpse of what healing and wholeness might look for us. It just might be the slightest glimpse that we get, but, you know, when this insight occurs, you know, we may be tempted to resist that change, or, or we don't trust the transformation, or we just don't know what it's going to look like, or we run away from it, or we might even sabotage ourselves by falling back into the old ways in order to avoid embracing what thorough healing requires of us. 
you know, such as acknowledging a wrongdoing or asking for and receiving forgiveness or letting go of bitterness or letting go of resentment and, and taking responsibility or living in gratitude and, and so forth. You know, even when an opportunity to forgive and reconcile with one who has caused us great pain and suffering and vice versa is presented, because bitterness has so entangled the soul, it's often impossible to let go of that pain. Okay. In fact, we might even believe that to let go of bitterness is a sign of weakness, that all in all, sometimes both the victim and the survivor and offenders cannot envision taking hold of something better. It's just too vulnerable of a place for them to go. And although each person walks their own path in this life and embracing forgiveness and healing and grace and love it really occurs when each person is ready. And, and nobody can do this for another person. You know, in other words, the, the door of healing can be shown, but, you know, we are the ones that have to, you know, turn the key, open the door and walk through. And But this does not mean that there's nothing we can do, you know. Um, so let's go back to the idea that everything, and I mean everything, is connected to energy. Our thoughts, our words, our behaviors, everything. And where there is energy there are different vibrational levels. Sometimes they can be seen, sometimes they can be heard, sometimes they can be felt. And everything in our lives has vibration. Even, you know, different sounds have different vibrations. Um, even silence has a vibration. And if you have ever seen any, let's say, demonstration of um, involving how water crystals are formed and transformed by specific sounds of music, then you're certainly one who is, you know, being familiar with the experiments of Masura Emoto. Now, you can Google this on, you know, at any point, or I, there might even be some YouTube videos on this, you know, but you can certainly Google his before and after pictures that he took after using various sound effects and music to create different crystallized structures in water. And since water we know now uh, has the ability to absorb and store sound effects, you know, his experiments on the effects of music and words on water are truly amazing. So it stands the reason for, you know, for where I sit that, that since sound can create change, our voice also carries with it the you know, its own vibrational energy to either damage or restore, to tear down or create. And our voices truly possess a powerful vibration within them. I mean, every time we speak, we can feel the vibration echoing from our larynx as the sound waves are heard in our eardrums of others and vice versa. And we can use our voices through toning sounds to, to harmonize and balance ourselves and our energetic pathways. And many people who meditate awfully 
often softly chant sounds that echo sentiments of, uh, let's say, purity or gratitude in one's place or inner awareness and being open and teachable. And this is a prominent theme that emerges time and time again when people not only find the power of their voice, but they also listen to the empowerment of others. You know, they too find their voice and they are never the same again. This is something that uh, Dorothy Salee, uh, way, 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 way back in the day, this is something that, um, you know, she was fascinated with. And, you know, her studies involved, which is the oppression of women and how do women heal from the wounds that they carry. <clears throat> and uh, unlike uh, men who have been wounded, a woman's empowerment comes from her voice and through her voice. And when she finds it, that is powerful. That is how she expresses herself. And you can just see that as she uses her voice, the empowerment and the healing that takes place on many, many levels. So when a woman has found her voice, uh, she's never going to be the same again. And she'll never go back to the way things were, so to speak, you know, because she has come so far. She has healed uh, so much of herself. And this is, you know, often the case, again, with anybody who has gone through any kind of trauma or event in their life in which a person's assumptions have been completely shattered. And to find and or reclaiming your voice takes time, but it can be done. Do not give up on yourself. Everybody has a voice. You have a voice. I have a voice. There is power in the voice because it's vibration. Now, admittedly, many people are unable to perceive their insights and strengths. You know, almost as if they cannot see themselves capable of healing or let alone achieving anything meaningful with their lives. Okay. And most of the time, people are content to live for, let's say, these brief moments of joy and celebration. You know, and they're often marked off by, I guess I would call them, tris, tris, well, can't talk, transitional milestones. There we go. Often marked off by these transitional milestones of uh, celebrations of like, say, baptism and marriages and birthdays, graduations, promotions, retirements, etc., etc., etc. And uh, furthermore, when it comes to wrestling with life's questions, many people are often overwhelmed not only by the concept that the answers they seek often lie within themselves, but also the belief that inner freedom and peace and joy and unconditional love are just too good to be true. You know, that those things belong to somebody else. It's fine if others have them, but I don't know if it's for me. But the truth is that we already have the key to unlock our doors to that inner freedom and grace and peace like we have never known before. But you know, there, most of the time there is a strong connection 
between this perception of, let's say, the fear of change and perceived powerlessness and a lifetime of struggling with self-loathing and, you know, like, say, a, no, a low to no self-esteem. And through various hurtful experiences, people have internalized society's definition that say, well, okay, these people are dirty, or you're worthless, or you have no voice, or you're dispensable, or you're no good, you're backward, you're not going to amount to anything, or whatever. And although it's difficult to say when people started to internalize such messages when they were much younger, it's often perhaps easier to pinpoint from whom these messages came. I mean, maybe you've heard such things from parents. Maybe you heard them from your teachers. Maybe you heard them from your friends. Or perhaps these messages were even reinforced uh, by society and just in different advertising or marketing or, or something like that. But we can transform these perceptions and negative thoughts by changing the energy of them by simply, let's say, taking a page from the African concept of Ubuntu. Now, Ubuntu is a concept that's easy to understand, very easy to understand, but for some reason, it's difficult for people to practice this on a large scale in the West. You know, perhaps this is because we're so focused on uh, our lives as individuals instead of collectively. Well, Ubuntu all starts with the belief that there is a universal bond of sharing that connects all of humanity. Now, simply put, Ubuntu can be communicated as, I am because we are. I am because we are. It encompasses a, a quality that includes the essential human virtues, let's say, such as compassion uh, and, and uh, humility. And if we belong to each other, we certainly participate in one another's lives. We are because you are. And since you are, definitely, I am. Well, Archbishop Desmond Tutu once described Ubuntu as embracing hospitality and caring about others and being willing to go that extra mile for the sake of somebody else. In other words, uh, a person is a person through other persons, and that my humanity is caught up and bound up inextricably with yours. And when I dehumanize you, I inevitably dehumanize myself. So because we are connected to one another and you know every thought and word and action is energy, when one is made to suffer, we all suffer. But when one rises, we all rise. And history certainly has demonstrated that society holds out an, an ever-changing, shall we say, a measuring stick that has one standard for the so-called powerful and the privileged, and another measuring stick for the weakened and the wounded. But nevertheless, regardless of its place in history, there seems to be a continuous pattern of uh, interpersonal indignity and humiliation for people who just 
cannot realize their truth and have been convinced that the only way to know and accept themselves is to really settle on society's definition and mistreatment of them. I mean, unfortunately for some wounded people, that's enough to settle for. But as we begin this process of a higher dimension relationship with God, as I said before, we are going to be reminded of all the negative psychological, emotional, and spiritual patterns within our relationships that really do keep us stuck in the past. And when we no longer wish to find peace and grace and love, as we transform, we do embody this peace and grace and love. And yes, it is a vibration that others can certainly see. And the sense of beingness generates a powerful, positive energy field. I mean, these things have been proven over and over again. Because have you ever been somewhere in public and you've walked through or you pass somebody and you swear you walk through their energy field and you just kind of picked up a weird vibe? You know, just a weird vibration of like, ooh, just intense sadness. Or you walk by somebody and just kind of like, ooh, you know, you, you walk through their joy or something like that. Uh, again, these studies, this is, you know, something that it occurs all the time. We give off an energy field. Others give off an energy field and so forth. Okay. And this is why I said that... Um, you know, others can tell this even before we open our mouths. And we can tell this about somebody else even before they open our, theirs. I mean, we no longer worry about what we need to say in any given a situation. We can simply be and just allow our presence to do the speaking. We can certainly allow ourselves to be more fully present with others. Well, in certain regions of South Afri Africa, when somebody does something wrong, uh, that person is often taken to the center of the village and surrounded by his tribe, his people, for about two days while they'll speak of all the good he has done. I mean, they believe that each person is inherently good, yet sometimes we make mistakes which they interpret as really a cry for help. You know, they you unite in this ritual to encourage the person to reconnect with his true nature. And the belief is that unity and affirmation have more power to change behavior than shame and punishment. And this is known as Ubuntu, humanity towards others. And this is what it means to transform negative and destructive energy into healing, life-giving purpose that benefits all. When positive energy is shared, it increases. Unfortunately, so does negative energy. So therefore, whenever you have the chance to affirm another person, do it. Meditate on their goodness and consider who they are deep inside. Remind yourself of your value, dignity, and worth, and remind others of theirs. Always be ready to forgive when given the opportunity. 
restore when it is within your power to do so. And laugh and discover the joy in the simplest things in life. And never, ever underestimate the value of your thoughts and your prayers. Being and living in gratitude for what we share as humanity restores our faith in one another, especially in generations who have yet to be born. And for some people, all in all, toning really enables them to find their voice and to find their vibration. And not just to find uh, the voice, but also to use, let's say, your voice, to use your vibration. Not to be shut down, but to take back what has always been in you. Reclaiming your authentic selves. So all in all, everything that we do, everything that we say, is so that the people may live. It's Dr. James Hauken, you've been listening to Reclaiming Authenticity. I invite you to join me next week, same time, for another broadcast that integrates our spirituality and mental health. So in the meantime, everybody be safe, take care of yourselves, and by all means, support one another. Bye-bye. For an answer, or just to leave a thousand comments, or prodding to buy a book by Dr. Hauk, it's all there. Just wander on over to reclaimingauthenticity.com and click around. And we'll see you next Friday at noon Pacific time on PBS Radio TV.